0: You're listening to the living word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We come alive as a we are filled with the living word, a fruit that lies, so we can fully rest in your truth. Yeah, yeah. Verse seven.
1: You made him, man, a little lower than the angels. So, angels as created beings are higher than you and me. And they're created with rank. Ephesians chapter 6, that famous New Testament section about the armor of God and the struggle we have and the battle we fight. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities powers of this dark world, there's the fallen angels, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms.
0: You've heard of angels and demons and the spiritual realm, but do you really know what that's all about? Today, as Pastor Danny begins a study in the book of Hebrews, he'll talk with you about these celestial beings. He'll share what the Bible has to say about angels and how they interact with you you'll learn that they aren't to be worshipped, even when it can feel easier to place them in high esteem. Pastor Danny will also talk about how angels compare to Jesus, the perfect Son of God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish believers, therefore the name Hebrews, that had come to Christ through apostolic missionaries uh, from Jerusalem. Uh, We know chapter 2, the middle of verse 3, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So the people that led these Jewish believers to the Lord uh, actually were first-hand witnesses of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, The last chapter in the closing remarks says those from Italy send you their greetings. And so some people believe this was a Jewish congregation in Italy. We don't know, but they were outside of Jerusalem for sure, and more than likely outside of the land of Israel. We don't know who the author is. Some suggest Apollos, some suggest Paul. I don't believe it was Paul, and I think there's some good reason for that. But really, we don't know. You can make some good guesses, but we don't know. Ultimately, 2 Peter one twenty one tells us who the author of not only this letter is, but all 66 books, as we call them, that make up this one book called the Bible, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved men, and this is the Word of God. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the letter called Hebrews. As you go through it, the present tense will be used when referring to the Levit- Levitical priesthood Uh, which tells us that it was written before 70 A.D. In other words, it was written while the sacrificial system under the law of Moses was still operational. In 70 A.D., Titus and the Roman army uh, came through and ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And ever since then, the temple has never been rebuilt. And the Old Testament uh, system of worship has never been restored. There's a group of Jews trying to do that now, and they're, they're working toward that and have been for years. But it's never been restored. But when it's written, the Levitical priesthood is still in operation, sacrifices being offered. So we know it was written before A.D. 70, probably sometime in the 60s, because we know from places like Hebrews chapter 10, uh, chapter 12, chapter 13, especially one verse in 13 uh, where it says, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mi- mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Uh, these Jewish believers suffered persecution. And it got pretty severe. As a matter of fact, in the closing chapter 13, he says, I want you to know, verse 23, that our brother Timothy has been released. He just got out of jail for his faith. He was in jail. So they suffered. The letter is a contrast, it's a study in contrast from the old covenant, the covenant of law received by Moses and the regulations that went with the law, including the sacrifices. It's a contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant, which was established through Jesus Christ by his sacrificial death on the cross. Contrast. The imperfect provisions of the old covenant versus the better and perfect provisions of the new covenant. What the old covenant tried to do, never achieved it, never could make us holy, never could make us have access to God, bring us to God, never could find forgiveness, never a clear conscience, and all those that we couldn't find in the old covenant, we have in Christ. It's amazing. And yet, for these believers who had come to believe in the new covenant, that Jesus was the one uh, representing the new covenant, and he's the one that established it through his sacrifice, then if you believe that, if you're a Jewish believer in this day, well, governmental persecution... Nero in the 60s AD, he came to power and he hated Christians and he hated Christ and his persecution got very se- severe. Not just that, from your own leaders, the priesthood, uh, if you said you believed in Jesus, then you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue, uh, you're going to be rendered unclean by the priest, uh, you could not along with your fellow Jews uh, any longer go to Jerusalem or participate in the sacrifices because you believed in Jesus. And then, just socially, just socially, people that were your friends. But now, because of your faith in Jesus, well, you had a price to pay. Now, Galatians chapter 3. Now, bear with me, all right? We will read Hebrews. We will. We will. Galatians chapter 3, referring to the old covenant, the covenant of law, says something very interesting to me. Verse 19 of Galatians 3, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, that's Jesus, to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator, and obviously an angelic mediator, but not just one. There were others involved. That's fascinating to me. So the law mediated and the regulations of the law through angels. Jews historically have always had a very lofty view of angels as well they should because they knew that angels were involved in receiving and establishing the covenant uh, through Moses. And so they had a very lofty view of angels. Not only that, uh, their Old Testament is just spattered with records of experiences with angels. Angels, fascinating creatures. Uh, Elijah was taken up in chariots of fire and horses of fire. E- Elijah's house was surrounded by angelic creatures who had uh, fiery horses and fiery chariots. I mean, amazing. They're created beings. God created angels. 1 Corinthians 15:40. Paul talks about celestial bodies and earthly bodies. Angels, we know, have celestial or heavenly bodies. In comparison to you and I as human beings, you and I, we have earthly bodies, all right? One day, if you're a Christian, one day you'll have a celestial body. I'll have a celestial body. I can't wait for that day. I need one. Bad. But right now, we have human earthly bodies. Satan is an angel. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us he's one of God's chief angels, at least when he was created. Amazing in beauty. And he still can be beautiful, even though he's fallen angel. You know, he led a host of the angels in rebellion against God. And now his true colors are black, uh, but he disguises himself as an angel of light. He's an amazing creature, powerful. As a matter of fact, the angels were created with rank. Did you know that as a human being, uh, we are less than angels? Hebrews chapter 2 quotes from Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? Verse 7, you made him, man, a little lower than the angels. So angels as created beings are higher than you and me, and they're created with rank. Ephesians chapter 6, that famous New Testament section about the armor of God and the struggle we have and the battle we fight, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, Powers of this dark world. There's the fallen angels and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Fallen creatures yet powerful. Daniel has a vision of an angel uh, in answer to his prayer. He prays and fasts, Daniel chapter 10, but it takes 21 days for the answer to his prayer to arrive. This powerful angel comes and he says, I was summoned right away and sent right away, but it took me 21 days to get to you because I was detained by the prince of the Persian kingdom. That's a fallen angel serving Satan, but of higher rank. And then a higher ranking angel from heaven had to come and get the messenger through to Daniel fascinating stuff to me. Just throw a little little nugget in here and then we'll go on for a minute. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Wow, these powerful beings. Jesus said in Matthew 18 that every believer has at least one angel, a personal angel assigned to him. Some of us have several. We need them. I think I got more than one. Though they do not have an earthly body, they have a form. Now, this is a bit mysterious, but sometimes they appear as human. Hebrews 13, 2 admonishes us, exhorts us to entertain strangers. Be hospitable to strangers because some people have entertained strangers unaware as angels. They're strangers and they were angels and they didn't know they were angels. <laughs> In Genesis 18 and 19, the three angels that come to uh, Abraham and they appear as human. Two of them go down and Uh, bring down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, They can appear as human. A lot of times they're depicted with wings um, because they're swift. They're swift. They're fast. They can move. They have emotion. They're capable of emotion. How do you know that? There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. They show emotion. Let me tell you something else about angels. Now, I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff out here. They love the Word of God, at least the ones that are still serving the Lord. They love the Word of God. As a matter of fact, they absolutely love prophecy. 1 Peter chapter 1, listen. Verse 10 and following, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time, the fulfillment of the time, and the circumstances to which the Spirit was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So the prophets even were trying to figure out what they were receiving and they didn't understand it all. And then it says in verse 12, even angels long to look into these things. They love prophecy. And they don't have it all figured out. They marvel too. They, they saw this prophecy and then they never saw the fulfillment quite like it happened. I mean, just amazing. They love prophecy. Let me give you one more. Matthew 28, 2 says that at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an angel came down from heaven and rolled the stone away from the tomb. Now, let me just note, the angel rolled the stone away not to let Jesus out. He's already out. He walked through walls. Okay? The angel didn't roll the stone away to let Jesus out. He rolled the stone away to let us in, to see that he is not here. He is risen. But let me tell you what it says now. It says, an angel came from heaven, rolled away the stone, and when he came down from heaven, there was a violent earthquake. That's a powerful angel. He shook the earth. There was an earthquake, which makes me wonder. One of the clear prophecies that we're getting close to the second coming of Jesus Christ is an increase numerically... And an increase geographically in places that you never thought you'd have one, earthquakes. And I wonder, because you also have uh, scriptures that talk about the increased angelic activity of the end times, I wonder if every time you hear of another earthquake, it's just not increased angelic an- activity in the heavenly realms. Jacob, when he's running from his brother Esau and he stopped on the way to Uncle Laban's house and he slept in the middle of nowhere and he had a a dream, and God gave him a dream of angels ascending and descending heaven to earth. If we could look into the spiritual realm right now, it'd blow your mind. As a matter of fact, you'd probably fall like you were dead if you could see. Because that's what Daniel did. Daniel, when he saw the vision of his angel, he says, His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the voice of a multitude. And Daniel says, When I saw him, I fainted. He fainted fascinating angels. say, what is the point? Jews rightly so had a lofty, very high and lofty view of angels, as they should and as we should. Some Jews went too far in their lofty view and began to worship angels. Colossians 2, Paul writes and he says, don't let anybody lead you into the worship of angels. But it would be easy to worship an angel, especially a powerful one. We are going to read Hebrews. Revelation. Revelation chapter 18. The apostle John on the Isle of Patmos receiving this tremendous book, the Revelation. And he says in chapter 18, verse 1, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. You go through chapter 18, chapter 19. You get to chapter 19, verse 9, and he says, Then the angel, this powerful angel, said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. John the apostle. But he, the angel, said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel says to him, "Don't you worship me? This, this is all about Jesus. It's not about me. That's what all the prophets spoke about. That's He's the center, not me." Hebrews nine fifteen, Hebrews twelve twenty four, tell us that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus, one person, one person. Jesus is the mediator. Of the new covenant. Now, listen, if the old covenant was mediated through many angels, okay, not just one, many angels were involved. These powerful angelic creatures involved in the mediation of the first covenant through Moses, then if Jesus is the mediator, the sole mediator of the new covenant, he's much greater than angels. He has to be. He's much greater than the angels. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Sometimes through angels. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Folks, he's the last word. Whom he appointed heir of all things. <laughs> you kidding me? and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, something the law never could do, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That is the most exalted seat. Anybody could ever have and that's what he said so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs (laughs) well there's just a nice easy four verses to open Hebrews chapter one you talk about hitting 900 miles an hour out of the gate the writer doesn't give any proof He just launches in four verses, and he says, here's who he is. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the one that's provided purification for sins. And by the way, by the way, he has the greatest scene of honor in all of creation. What an amazing four verses. Colossians 1.17 says, in him all things hold together. Just think about that. Our earth that we live on is tilted 23 degrees. If it were tilted just a little one way or just a little way the other, we couldn't survive. If the sun was any further away or any closer, just a little bit, we'd either freeze to death or all burn up. If the atmosphere didn't remain, atmosphere didn't remain a constant, a constant, then all these meteors and stuff that are headed for earth and have been for a long time that burn up harmlessly in our atmosphere, if the atmosphere didn't remain constant, we all have to live underground. If the sea level surface of the, the sea, the bottom, uh, were shifted, we'd be destroyed. I mean, it's amazing. It's incredible. If the moon were any farther away or any closer to us, the tides would go crazy, and twice a day the world would be flooded. And who's the one that keeps all this stuff from happening? Who's the one that holds it all together? The Son of God, Jesus Christ. Whew. Hey, he's the radiance of God's glory. That's a good translation of the word, radiance of God's glory, not a reflection. That's important. You look at the moon on a cloudless night, especially a full one, and it's so bright. You know where the brightness comes from? It comes from the sun. The radiance of the moon's glory is the sun. The moon is just reflecting the glory of the sun. Same with you and I. You and I as Christians are to reflect the glory of God, but we're not the source of it. We're not, we're not the radiance, we're the reflection. The radiance is where the source comes from. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the source. Wow. Woohoo! What it must have been like for Peter, James, and John as they went up on the mountain and Jesus for a moment was transfigured before them. And all of a sudden, the the cloak was, was revealed that behind this human flesh, there was some being far greater than the angels. And he was transfigured before them. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough. Jesus said, Philip, Philip, have I been with you so long? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. That's why the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They said, you a mere man are making yourself equal with God. As a man, Jesus was as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. One of my favorite commentators suggested that the name is the Son. I disagree. The name is Jesus, Philippians 1. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus. Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord by the way one day every tongue will confess it says in heaven on earth and under the earth better to bow now than bow then his name is Jesus Peter said in Acts four twelve. there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved and he's greater than Michael greater than Gabriel certainly greater than Lucifer Folks, that's the point of Hebrews chapter 1. Because he's the mediator, or mediator of the new covenant, he's greater than the angels. And he launches in these four verses into that declaration of who he is. Amazing. And then in verse 5, he begins to prove it from the Old Testament. Seven Old Testament passages. Look at them. Verse 5. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have become your father. Psalm 2, verse 7, it's a messianic psalm. I don't want to mess with your theology. I believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I believe technically, technically, he maybe hasn't been the Son from all eternity past. I may be wrong there. It's still the same Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I think in the incarnation when Mary was conceived, the only begotten of the Father. But the Jehovah's Witnesses, see, Uh, they will take what we're going to read in a minute is that he's God's firstborn firstborn that he had a a beginning he had a beginning as a man he did not have a beginning as a being you're going to see that it's undeniable you are my son today I have become your father
0: The book of Hebrews contains a unique passage that's often referred to as the Hall of Faith. This section gives you a synopsis of people who followed their Creator without knowing the end result or with having each step laid out for them. These icons of trust were definitely not without flaw. Their journeys weren't free from trials and tribulations either. But they came back to their faithful Heavenly Father time and time again, trusting that He would fulfill His promises. God used these ordinary men and women to accomplish great things in their time and to set in motion kingdom work that would continue to change lives for countless generations to come. We're so glad that you joined us today to study the book of Hebrews with Pastor Danny Hodges here on The Living Word. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the books of the Bible, visit ccfstpete.church and click on sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today, or if you'd like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's info at ccfstpete.church. We count it as a privilege to lift our valued listeners up to the Lord in prayer. That's all we have time for today in our study of Hebrews. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into Scripture right here on The Living Word.